Welcome back to the Marty and Jaden Show. We just finished reading this fantastic little book, The Sunlit Man. And what did you think, Jaden? I thought it was absolutely incredible. Like, I say that a lot about Brandon Sanderson's books, and I'm sure a lot of people agree with me, but this is probably one of the best Sanderson books that I've read out of all of them. All the ones that I've read. Oh my gosh, seriously. And we're going to have a review, like our final review out of like 10 stars at the end of the video. So catch that. Don't leave before you get that. Yep, Skip to the end, the end if you have to. <laughs> it's worth but it. But it'll be worth it. But I, I would agree. I don't know if it was just a breath of fresh air coming back to a Sanderson book after some of the previous books that we've read. But it was it was just awesome. Just a I sly have... reference over there to the last book that we, what know, we, whatever whatever it was, we gave it a six in our final rating. So. Oh, and let me Whew. tell you, this is not going to be a six. It's going to be a well. Book. Hey, you don't know that. We have to average your rating and my rating. So well, your rating must be pretty low if it's going to be a six. <laughs> no, the, the, well, I guess it's a spoiler for the end of this video, but it's a pretty darn good review okay it's, it's a fantastic book okay so character wise it's a different story because it's not following three different characters like we would expect in a way of king's book yeah it's just a single character just and the one and nomad what an interest like I, I i thought it was cool because the the journey that he goes on is so unique and so mysterious but I think one of the reasons that I liked it, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. One of the, like, two pages in, I wanted to ask you this. Because you've read so much more of the Cosmere books than I have, like, I've read maybe eight-ish. Okay. So you've read, what, twice as many as I have? I've read every single one except for Yumi. I have not read So would any. you say that it made a huge difference knowing all that stuff going into this book? There are some references in this book that I knew you would not catch. Because a lot of people, a lot of people that actually gave us recommendations when we did a reading order video, which I think is a really good video of ours. I'll put a link to it somewhere. But the reading order included Sunlit Man. Yep. And everyone said we had to put it last. Like, I would say four or five people specifically said you have to read it last. And look at this. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say, honestly, they're not wrong. With when I was reading this, I was thinking, "Wow, there is a lot that makes this book even more fun." The more that you understand that you've read, but the big caveat there is that you've read everything that's the most important to be able to catch it. So if you hadn't I read, I didn't feel like I missed anything. If you well, if you hadn't read The Way of Kings, for example, this would not have been a near fun book. That's okay. Well, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Or if you hadn't Fair read enough. Shadows for Silence. I mean, you could get through it and be fun, but like you're getting those uh, um, little true. Easter eggs that are really big ones. There are some Easter eggs, though, that you still had a good time with that I think were okay that you wouldn't have read yet. Elantris. It references Elantris a few times in this what, book. What, what is it? You mean like the place? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, there, I didn't catch that. You, and this also actually represents our... Represents our... References? References. Thank you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Podcast, man. <laughs> They'll get you every time. Uh, it references a scene and an item that is in book four of the Lost the Lost Metal. So it's Mistborn Era 2, book four. It talks about that jar of event investiture. Ah, yes. You see that in that book as well. So you know, I, you, I knew exactly what it was when he was talking about it. And yet he references like, I could get a bunch of power from it. But you understand why. Okay, you're too. right. That I mean, yeah. but I don't think it took anything away from the story. No, totally not. And that's why I think Having, I almost stand by our order in the first place. I thought we did great. I thought it was awesome. The order basically represents everything that I've read so far, needed to be read before you read Sunlit Man. 
And I think that's absolutely accurate. I think I didn't miss anything. There was nothing I was like, oh, I can't believe I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, everything was fantastic. Yeah. Where did we put it? You said that you could read it as long as you've read... Way of Kings. Way of Kings. Yeah. I think we said through book three or something two like or that. Two or three, yeah. Yeah. Then you could take a break and start to read other things like The Secret Projects with a big one in that. Totally. Honestly, though, it, there were some references in here that you would have enjoyed book four of The Way of Kings to get. You catch way more references than I do. Well, you know, you, you'll know it too. He talks about his shard plate. And that is a clear, that's a book four reference of the way of, of the Stormlight Archive. People were trying to correct me on that last time. Well, and they are 100% right. <laughs> I go the whole series Way of Kings for some odd reason. But yeah, we both do that yeah, yeah. many but times. because it says Way of Kings in massive letters on top of the book. And that's then true. Stormlight Archive, little teeny letters. If you're well, this should be easier because it's just a one book with a one title. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, book four, Stormlight Archive. There's going to be lots of spoilers in this episode, so yeah, be warned. But you but should enjoy. You will enjoy that. It's fun. It's, it's a good time. I mean, Sanderson chair, references enjoy. the whole Cosmere. We're going to reference the whole Cosmere. Exactly. It's going to be great. But book four talks about getting, um, getting your shard plate. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And being able to summon yeah. and everything, and that is a clear reference right to book there. Book four. Okay. Book four. And also, we didn't know that he gets his shard plate. This is another, That's a this good is, point. This is cool. Like, That's like probably one of the biggest spoilers that I know we're going to spoil at some point in this episode, but I almost like want to wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, okay. I, I want to go back. I want to go back a little bit to the, to the entrance okay. of this okay. book. We got to go back to the we're, entrance. We're cruising all the way through the, dude, did so you have hard. your bookmark right in the front? That's where I had mine. Oh, dude, yeah. I used it the whole time. And, and it's the same bookmark. This bookmark's beautiful. I will use it for other books too. It is such a cool, cool bookmark. Wow, is that elegy on the front? Totally is. Oh my goodness, that is so cool. Love I know. It. And the yeah. Sunlit Man is so cool. Nomad. Oh. In all the pictures of him, you're just like, that's a cool dude. Oh my goodness. And what what do they call his name? They say his name is uh, his new name. His new name is Zellian. Zellian. I thought that was a sweet name. It is I a cool name. So okay, cool. the name <laughs> stuff. I've got a ton of things that I want to talk about. Okay. We do need to start at the beginning. Okay, okay. There's so much we want to talk about. First <laughs> off... It's going to be a long episode. I'm going to start from the very... This is kind of the beginning, kind of not. Okay. This is beautiful artwork, by the is way. Is that... What is this? It's got to be Canical. Canical? The planet, yeah. Is that the planet that they're on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I knew that. But what is this thing in the middle? That, Hold like, on. little tree thing sticking up in the middle. Well, it can't be a tree. I was talking to one of our friends the other day, and he like opened it up. He's like, oh, I know what that is now. And I'm like, I still don't know what that is. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. He needs to explain that. I this, know. That's definitely the sun coming over the horizon, melting everything. And this is somehow still existent. Oh, no, it's um, it's a hardened magma flare. Remember when the magma was exploding out of the ground? Oh. That's totally what it is. So cool, dude. So cool. Okay. Oh, we figured it out. Because I was looking at this, and I'm like... Are those deer? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. This picture's in the book, though. Yeah, I know, and I was still confused. They explain it. Oh, wait, no, they don't. The audiobook they explains don't explain it. it. They said there are some antelope with antlers and without antlers in the picture. That's not an explanation. That's well, an that's audio a, description. Well, I know, but the audio description's got to be right, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can tell that they are animals. It's not deer, Jaden. Come on. Okay. And <laughs> antelopes. I'm... I was really close. It may not even been said Same genus, but... different species. Whoa. But um, I think that's weird. Why is that weird? 
are the animals just running as fast as they can? To they talk them? about there being animals in the book. I just don't understand how that's possible. I don't know either. That's fascinating. Okay. Well, but, that but might be a mystery that we never figure out. Well, it could be something we ask about Maybe to I've our uh, to our other readers and uh, those listeners. that know so much more than yes. me. <laughs> Why are there animals on Canticle? Yeah, but there are. Same reason that there are plants. Well, the plants make sense. They plant them. Yeah, but anyways, let's let's start from the beginning. We started from the opening cover, and everything. But going forward, this book um, starts out. We don't know who Nomad is. No, that is the mystery, and that's Kate, the first five things that I took pictures of. I'm like all these clues. I'm like, I know who it is. I know who it how, is. How fast did you know? You texted me like, let it be known on page eighty eight. Page eighty eight. I knew for a hundred percent certain. So let me give you the clues that Did I you had. figure it out? Were you right? Oh yeah, I was right. Okay. I was hundred percent sure. I was I was <laughs> it seriously that we so just confident. finished the way of kings. It, oh yeah. It made yeah. a big difference. So the first part is like I was reading these sections and I'm just gonna read the quotes is like words once spoken in a moment of glorious radiance. That yep. was like twenty pages in. Yeah. So I was you, like, okay, I know he was a knight radiant. Okay, yeah. Good. So it's right? like these are like your yep. clue check marks. He speaks a lethe, all that stuff. You're like, okay, that's another clue. And the second one was um, the wind's howl would sound like the chatter of men having stew at a fire. Oh, uh, dude, he was throwing in I'm some like, heavy oh, references. Okay. Uh, even I caught that one. Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like Sanderson did not want anyone to miss that. This yep. is a, this was a clear Way of Kings reference. And he was a, so we reference. knew he was basically a member of Bridge Four. Uh huh. Okay. And really early in the book, we knew that. Uh, he talks about, and then the next thing I want, I want to talk about is when wit comes, <laughs> which is cool. But he also, he talks about the fact that he uh, knows a lot about cultures. And I'm like, it's the world singer. It's Sigzel for sure. Yep. I guess oh, he's, yeah. he's the only one that was interested in that stuff. Yep. And he has, he has the type of character that make a lot of sense to be nomad. And do, oh, yeah. Because he was wit's apprentice, and, all that stuff. And all of his calculations and everything. I, I knew that this was Sigzel from the beginning. I... Can't remember if that's because Sanderson may have said it in some sort of interview that he was doing about the book and everything. Oh, so I, I mean, I for some reason I'm like, oh yeah, it's Sigzel. It's a story about Sigzel and wit, and so I knew it from the beginning. But I, the it leaned into it so heavily, all the references and everything. It was there were some heavy references which were cool, and wit shows up to just chat with him for a little. Okay, bit. I want to talk about this moment. Okay, this is, Sanderson. Keep in mind, this book is clearly. A long time in the future yes. after the whole Way of Kings uh, Stormlight Archive series. <laughs> I'm going to be doing that the whole time. And so I feel like he's trying to hint to us at things that have happened. First of a all, a lot of things have happened. Yeah. First of all, he looks at Wit in the darkness and he says to Wit, he's like, Cal, is that you? This is a major hint. Either Kaladin has survived the whole Stormlight Archive by the end of this. Or oh, yes. something <laughs> questionable has happened to Kaladin where we, he doesn't, like, it could be unclear if he's died, but you think that he did die. Yeah. And so something to the point where he would think it's maybe Kaladin. It's impressive to be able to write in a way that you, like, literally write something in that could still go either way and not spoil yeah, the last book. I know. I, I liked that, too. And I also made me realize that I think the entirety of Bridge 4 has elevated to jumping around the Cosmere. You like, think that there... So you think Kaladin is also jumping the Cosmere? Yes. So you in think he's alive? That, you yes, think that was his I do thing. think he's alive. I do think that they're on the outs. Nomad slash Zigzil and Kaladin, it seems like, because he seems surprised to see him. Yeah. That he would have seen him. 
But uh, I, I'm so excited to read Stormlight Book 5 and find out what happens. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't even know if we're going to get the answer in that book. We'll we might have to wait until answers. Book 10. To waiting for. I bet we're going to have to wait until Book 10 to get oh, those answers. That would be... Because Kaladin, I bet, is still going to be around in that book. Probably. That would, be, that would be my bet. So let's talk about what Wit says. Yeah, let's go for it. So one of the things that I really liked is just related to, and this will tie actually to later in the book too, I have a highlight for this, but he talks about his oaths and he says, then my oaths ended and I realized that destinations really are important. Wit, they are no matter what we say. And then Wit, of course, because he's the best. Yeah. He's the best character, man. He's like, no one ever said that they lacked importance. <laughs> and I don't think you do understand because if you did, you'd realize sometimes asking the question is enough because it has to be enough because sometimes... That's all there is. And I'm like, dang, what does it again? <laughs> Gets him with the, the rhetorical question. He talks about his stories a lot in the book. A little bit later, I'll, I'll, I have a highlight for that. But I really liked his questioning of the oaths. He's like, my oaths ended. It was all a lie. It was such a joke. Like, And now I'm in living in with this torment and this frustration and anger. Wit apologizes at the end. He's like, I did this to you and I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you get some real emotion from Wit. Yeah, the first time that we've ever seen, like he's like Wit actually seems taken aback. <laughs> my my best kind of interpretation of Wit's kind of experience to this point is that he took Ziggs under his wing as a world singer to say, "I want someone to share in the stories of the world, someone to help me, someone to just be able to take in a lot of information, to love it, and to enjoy this journey with me." Because he's kind of very lonely, I think. And in taking on this person, he probably put a lot more pressure and intensity and expectations onto Zigzal or Nomad than he should have. Yeah. And now he's realizing that maybe he messed up his chance to have someone help him in his quest. Oh, it's crazy. I, I don't have an exact theory on what Wit is up to. I have ideas. He To me, he's clearly trying to uh, gain powers from every single Cosmere planet. Well, he's clearly trying to protect the Cosmere. That's his overall goal. Yeah. He's mentioned it multiple times. He's trying to protect the Cosmere by doing that, by collecting the different powers from different locations. He yep. collects the... Um, becomes Mistborn in the secret history when he eats the the metal. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm just going to take <laughs> this for myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. And you see him do that just as much in like the Way of Kings. He starts using those kind of powers. And uh, by, like, influencing people's emotions and things like that. So he mentions, Sanderson mentions this in the addendum. Mm -hmm. Did you read that part? I did. Yeah. Okay. So he mentions that he wanted to start writing stories where people, like that Wild West story where a lone figure joins in and is, like, embroiled in local conflict. Yep. That's exactly what happens in this book. It's like he wanted to include the fact that they would basically have to figure out the magic system in order to leave. Yeah. And that's really what they did with this story. And I think that it is such a good job of it. And as a, as a stark contrast to books that we've read in the past, it's like you're you're right there in the mystery. You're like, I don't know what's going on, but it's urgent. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a checklist, was it? It, it was <laughs> not a check. I didn't even know what was going on. There's it, enough held back. There's enough that's told to me that I'm like, oh, yeah, he's in trouble for this and this reason. Yeah. There's enough that I don't know that I'm like... What is he going to do? How is he going to... He can't even fight back. How is he going to get out of this? Dude, this book could have been written as a quest, but it was like not presented as one. Yeah. And 
Maybe that's up. what it is. There wasn't like some grand presentation of the quest. Yeah, because he's like, just on it. He's like, you know what? For me to leave this island, I'm going to have to help the people survive the sunlight and then help the people kill the Cinder King and all these things. Then you're like, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Like, yeah. he did, like you said, he does a great job of presenting a mystery. Okay. <laughs> and one, one of the elements that I loved about this is the fact that the Night Brigade shows up like right in the middle. Oh. Yeah. And from that point forward, I'm like, they're around the next page. Next page, they're going to attack. He's going to be screwed. Yeah. And so I'm just like constantly waiting for that to happen. And I'm so glad that it didn't. Oh, me too. Because it just kept me waiting for it the whole time. Like the Night Brigade is right there, man. They're going to get you. They're going to come in at the worst possible time. And I was convinced that that's exactly what was going to happen. And it felt like if the writing had been a little bit lazier or weaker, that it would have just like time of conflict, Night Brigade shows up, ruins everything. And then everyone's like just sad. But to extend that like expectation even further and further and further you're like he has to have written their like viewing of the night brigade so early on purpose just to stress me out yeah. which i'm totally okay with well think about all the other uh time conflicts that he's got in this book he's also got the the conflict of the sun always chasing you yep. and so you're always worried about that it's the he's also got the conflict of the cinder king coming to get you at the same time mm-hmm. and and he's just and he's running out of investiture himself. And this whole book he's constantly was like 5%, 3%. Yeah. This whole book was full of like ticking time bombs that were about to explode, which like, is a literary yeah. element that makes a book more interesting. He had like five of them at the same time. Like it was incredible. And he does a really good job of making the story interesting. There's still important dialogue, even when all these things are happening. Yeah. Loved it. Well, one of the other things that I really liked about this book is... I, there were several times I laughed out loud in this book. Like, <laughs> like they were, Especially when Ox is talking, right? Yeah, Ox is awesome. But it, just the way it was written. And so uh, in the very beginning, when he's first fighting in the rink, in the ring, ring, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, in the ring. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah, and he's fighting there, and he is summoning Ox as different tools and things like mm-hmm. that. And the Cinder King realizes what's going on. And so he grabs um the sunlit man nomad and he says like show me like like summon me a tool he's like but then this phrase that he says afterwards but instead i summoned a big wad of spit (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like that's hilarious like like just the play on words with it was just hilarious you love the fact that he's been through so much nomad that he is just like the dry sarcasm and (laughs) uh, one of the parts that i like especially which is very similar he's like Ox says, look how they arrange their chairs. The hero exclaims, look, they don't dare scoot back lest they bump you. Why don't they hold a meeting in another location or move you to a bed, maybe? <laughs> He's like, Nomad probably had one of those faces that said, don't touch me. I'm thinking about who to murder next. I'm accepting volunteers. <laughs> I love that. The just addition at the end and I'm accepting volunteers makes it even better. It's, like, that's uh, the perfect. Yeah. He's like, okay, don't mess with me. Another another favorite moment is when he walks into the Cinder King after having pretended that he can't speak his language the whole time. Oh, yeah. And then he just walks in. He's like, and the Cinder King's trying to show him cards of like, <laughs> they brought like the cardboard out and they're like, <laughs> like go this way. And he's like, you won't need those cards. I figured out your language. <laughs> and he's like, you figured it out in less than a day. <laughs> I'm like, that's hilarious. That is, that is awesome. So and I liked funny. how he did it with the other group too. And maybe it wasn't as funny, but he just walks up and he's like, yeah, so that's not going to work. Your plan's not going to work. And they're like, you speak our language. He's like, yeah, I mean, I, no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
You never knew that I didn't speak it. I just wasn't speaking it. Exactly. It's so funny. Dude. It's actually really smart, especially with just someone who travels to a lot of worlds. It's like you never know what value there might be in letting people speak freely and think you can understand them. I know. Be careful with those other worlders, man. They'll get you. They'll get you every time. Every time, dude. Be careful. I, uh, yeah, I, I was a big fan of this. The other thing that I really liked about Sanderson's writing is the rereadability of his books is just unparalleled to any other book. And the reason why is because say, why is that? It's because his books, you are discovering things the whole way to the end of his books that he doesn't reveal until the end of the book, but have been playing apart from the very beginning of the book. And so when you reread the book, now you can see it from that perspective of things that you've learned at the end of the book in the beginning of the book. Okay. Then I have for a example, for the Sun Hearts, for example. You know yep. exactly how it works. You know the whole like magic system behind it. Mm-hmm. And now you can reread the book while you understand those things and it makes it more enjoyable on a whole nother level. It just it's he does that with every single one of his books, and it's so cool to catch those hints. Because he's he's been writing in those factors the whole time. You just didn't know how they work, so you never noticed it. Exactly. Because that's just his style. He he loves to reveal things as it goes and not just tell you anything. And that's why his books are very rereadable. I completely agree. Which is why there are some books that I have that I've read once and I'm like, "Uh, probably could have got that from a library. Yeah. You know? Like it's not worth to have. But the question I was going to ask you about the rereadability. Both of us, as you might notice, have the... uh, Special premium edition of the Sunlit Man Very from fancy. the Kickstarter. Well, mine's not from the Kickstarter, but I'm going to tell people that it is. Yeah, it's, it's, he made it during the Kickstarter. Yeah, exactly. He it bought printed. it afterwards because he thought it looked so dope. <laughs> it, and I'm so glad that I did. But the fact that it's rereadable makes me so glad that I went with the premium version. So it, would <sighs> yeah. you recommend people get this or the audiobook or what? I mean, whenever I enjoy a book, I have to buy the hard copy. Yep. Even when I'm listening to the audio, I get the hard copy in and I'm like, I just want it on my shelf to show it off and everything. And this is a wonderful book to show off. It's one of the best covers. And I mentioned this in the short and the other podcast we did when we unboxed it. I think it's our, it was our first episode when we unboxed it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, That's it was. Cool. <laughs> but um, that, it's, it's so beautiful. Like all the inlay into it yeah. and the raised text. The black. You, you can't appreciate it quite as much on screen, I don't think. But as I'm reading through, I was like so careful i was like okay i have to just read around the bend of the page you kept it clean like i've done with my books oh absolutely and i read through every page so wow yeah i i didn't read through every page there are some pages that i like most of the book i just listened to um you can probably pronounce people's names better than i can i know right what was the one that's Adonalsium will remember our plight eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that, it was sounded really funny listening to that name. It like took me a second to catch what was going on because like it was just reading it. But was it, it probably read fine like when you're reading it read it, like, fine, but it's so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two lines of the book to read it every time his name comes up. Dude, it's Sanderson's really got a, a thing with names to make him funny. It's Jeffrey really, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Jeffrey is so awesome, dude. They all had great names, but I think he, he makes a point of the fact that those funny names are Threnody names. Oh, yeah, dude. That, like, that's I just that how they name people in Threnody. Do you feel like that was the same in Sounds for Silence? Because um, her name was Silence. Yeah. That's was, kind of a weird name. It was Silence, and there were the Four Scouts, and then there was the Silver... Nope, I can't remember. Nope. Silver was an important element of it. Yeah. <laughs> silver rings and stuff. Yeah. But I, I, so it's interesting that the worlds combine 
relatively. They escaped Threnody, but they yeah. brought the Shades with them. Okay. I was expecting the Shades to escape at one point. I'm like, this is and totally again, coming. again, there's <laughs> a little element of you're like, oh man, it's, that's <laughs> definitely going to happen. Yeah, like they're definitely going to, the ship is going to crash the ground, that thing is going to crack, and they're going to go everywhere. And like and just start killing people. Yeah, I thought there were definitely going to be Shades in this one. But fascinating, there were Shades that were just obeying commands at and the very speaking. end of the book. They were speaking too? I can't remember. At the beginning. The oh, Shades speak. Oh, they're speaking. Yeah, they are. They, they ask questions and they're asking... Yeah. Man, that's creepy. And they build stuff? They're engineers. <laughs> With like, we have to think about how they're building it because they're, they've got to be basically alamancers. They're manipulating metal and... Maybe. Doing all the things that they want to do with it, like magically, they're not hitting it with hammers, right? They're just controlling the metal. It's a very creepy picture in the book, though, when they're like all staring at the, the schematics yeah. that he has up. It's pretty creepy. Yeah, it's creepy when the guy's reading it, too. The way that he reads it with a whisper. <laughs> like, show us your designs. Like, Holy like, cow. It's like, whoa. Like, <laughs> That's so much creepier than I yeah. read it. <laughs> yeah, like when you're reading it, it's very, very creepy voices and like just lots of whispers. That's With a so breathy whispering. <laughs> okay, so you didn't listen to the book. You list, You read all of it. Yes, I read the whole thing. And the audiobook but, isn't even on Audible this time, so that's probably I know, most of the reason harder I to get, it, get it. to it because it's on Spotify. Do you have to I buy just, it on Spotify? Or if you, you have do, Spotify yeah. Premium, you can just listen. I don't know if you could do it through Premium. It was really confusing, to be honest. And I had to do it through a computer, and it was just it was kind of a mess. That's kind of weird. But he, the guy who reads the book, I am very conflicted on if I like this guy better oh. or Michael Kramer. I showed you a clip of it. Yes, I listened to the clip and he did a really, really good. He job. was very good. I don't know it's if you could give a whole judgment on like whether you think he's better or not just from like the two minutes to that you listened. Seconds, yeah. <laughs> just because you wanted to show me Ox's voice. Yeah, I thought Ox's voice was brilliant for it. I I thought he was a fantastic reader. So I I honestly I was a little bit sad when I found out that it wasn't Michael Kramer that I was going to be reading this book. And I had to get over that for a little bit. <laughs> but by the end of the book, I was totally down with, like, I would be totally down with hearing more books in the Cosmere from this guy. Honestly, I would love it if he did a reread of the Launtris books and did a reread of the... Who, Michael Kramer? Or this guy? No, this guy. Hmm. If he did Elantris and uh, Warbreaker. I did not like the guys who read either of those books. It can really ruin a book. The audio reader is bad. Yep. And it's ruined multiple books for me because of that. And it's just the worst. Just the, the work that goes into a story and writing a story and publishing a story only to ruin it by not picking the right person to read it is brutal. Oh. And it happens all the time. Seriously, especially in a world where everything is audio these days. Everyone's yeah. always listening to podcasts and books. And honestly, I would bet there are more books being read like than in any time, like right now in the oh, history sure. because people would just listen to everything. It's audio just more is huge. readily accessible now. Audiobooks weren't as big of a thing back in the day, especially when you had to get a CD and stuff for them. <laughs> I know. That was not easy. Oh my gosh. Multiple CDs for some books. Cause... I remember downloading <laughs> those CDs onto my computer. Like I get them from the library and download them on a computer and transfer them to my iPod just so I could listen to it from my iPod and not the computer and everything. Also made it so I didn't have to return it as I fast as I was going to say, is, is it piracy? To... <laughs> I, I, in all fairness, I deleted it after I was done and returned the book to the library. So technically, like yeah, so I didn't only really have it. If any authorities time. are watching or listening, then yeah, he deleted them right after. Yep. All of them. I actually did. I actually did. <laughs> For all of you not believers. But I... listening to this book, I would say people should definitely give it, if they want to listen to it, it's worth it on Spotify, you're saying. 
Oh yeah, totally. Worth Even it. though it's a different reader. Well, and also Spotify's system's a little janky. It was super weird, dude. If you wanted to skip back like 15 seconds and the chapter had just ended, it wouldn't let you skip back further than like the chapter because it was like every single. Um, chapter was its own like music track almost oh they're like let's yeah. just make a book into an album yeah exactly <laughs> that's what it felt like it was really annoying and so couldn't go back further than 15 like to the beginning of the chapter so i'd have to go back to the menu then go back into the oh, chapter well that makes sense because that's not something you'd be able to do in an album i know you'd be able to like skip back into the previous if song. spotify wants to get into the audiobook thing they need to fix that that is a massive problem. cannot be that hard dude it is way too hard way too hard yeah yeah not happy with that but, but they did so did, is this uh, this is a question because mm -hmm. this is different i think for sanderson and for authors in general one is this what he did for all of his secret projects and two why like is it a money thing um it is it's an amazon thing so okay because audible is owned by amazon he does he had he has a problem with uh with amazon and the way that they treat their uh authors that get onto audible he feels like they're abusive to the authors by making them take a super small cut just because they're audible and they feel like they can. So do you know what that cut is by chance? Uh, he, he talks about it. I can't remember what it is, but it's, it's just, it's pretty significant. He feels like the author should get more. I, the reader's got to get some too, right? Uh, like get more money from it is what I'm saying. The author should get more money. There is a cut. I'm saying there's a cut that goes to the person who read it and there's mm -hmm. a cut that goes to the author. Yeah. Probably a cut that goes to the publisher and then the rest goes to audible. Yeah, and for, I don't know all the details on it. All I know is that he, that Audible, he says, just takes way too much. For most people that I talk to, or talk to, listen to, they say the same thing to the point where it's almost like not profitable at all to make money on Audible, but you have to do it because of what they do. Discoverability. Yeah, discoverability. They, I think they also had something about like how Amazon's really um, bad about it too, where like, Maybe you can't put your books on other things because of that too. And so it's oh. hard to get, like they just take all sorts of licensing. I don't know, dude. I have problems with Amazon. I love Amazon's delivery thing, but little side thing, I, I have problems with Amazon. I, I think they, they're, I'm, I'm a finance guy and I work <laughs> with e-commerce and everything. They take a way massive cut from everyone who sells on Amazon Third too. Third party sellers? Oh yeah. They take like 20% if you try to sell a product of on what? Amazon. Revenue? Of, of yeah, sales? of all your sales. So if you Ooh. decide to sell a product on Amazon, they're going to take a 20% cut. If you sell a product just through Shopify, they take like three. But the crazy thing is you can't sell it for a different price. Because if you see a different price on Amazon, you'd be like, what the heck's going on? I mean, you could like have like discounts on your Shopify site and everything. That's true. I mean, but, a lot of people do that. I'm just saying like typically the prices have to stay pretty constant. Well, from a developer's perspective, I work with Amazon a lot as well. Yeah. As Amazon Web Services, which is their huge cloud platform. And it's the worst, man. It's yeah. Well, they, they just have this. This is my problem with Amazon. They're nickel and diming you for literally everything. They do. And, it, and, okay. and then when you work with their sales system on Amazon as well, they just have this huge problem where like you cannot get any information on how much, it, uh, on how much you're selling. Like you can, but it is so difficult. Where Shopify, you can get everything. But Amazon just doesn't care. Why? Because they're Amazon and you're going to have to sell them anywhere. And that is exactly yes. how it works with AWS too. You can just tell yes. that they just, you're stuck. You're already in the system. You already use EC2, Elasticsearch, yeah. and all these things. So it just, your billing is going to be confusing. You have to go through 18 menus to see how much you're owing. And then you can't just, you can't just cancel a service from like your bill. 
you have to go into that service, go into your configurations, into the different... If you're not in the right region in the dropdown, none of the site is going to have your stuff on it. You won't even be able to find your server. And then you have to be like, oh, I have to be in the North Virginia region oh, so I can find yeah. my server so I can cancel it. Otherwise, you'll never know that it exists and they'll just keep billing you forever. Yeah. The worst. Now, the other... And this kind of relates to the book thing too. Amazon does this with uh, uh, businesses that are small businesses. They're trying to find more products to sell on Amazon. And so they'll approach a small business. They're like, hey, we're considering buying your product and everything. And the business is like, great, let's talk about everything. And they meet with Amazon. Then Amazon decides, oh, never mind, we're not gonna do that. Then they come back and release their own Amazon basics, copying like that all stuff. Birds and yes, yeah. that is messed up, dude. That is so messed up. It's and you can't bad. sue them because they're massive. Anyway, well, you're never gonna win, yeah, dude. There, I have a ton of problems with Amazon. Like it is, it really, really. Didn't they do me. that to Nomadic too? Uh they I feel may like have. they tried to at least, and then they've done the same thing to a couple of those wallet companies. Oh, dude, I I would not be surprised. And this is this is the last thing I'll say on this topic. This is the difference I feel between Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Is Jeff Bezos is just trying to make money. Like he is just trying. He doesn't care about making a cool product. He just like. He's made cool products, but he just wants to get the money. I feel like Elon Musk is like, I'm more interested in just making a cool product to go to space, to save for climate change and all these things. To be fair, like they're both both, business people trying to make money, but the way they go about it is completely different. If Jeff Bezos had an Elon Musk mentality, Amazon's like services would not be the way that it is. That's fair. That is, that is my thought process. And the exact, you can see that in going to space. Elon Musk is going to space because he feels like we need to be an interplanetary system going to Mars. Jeff Bezos is like, Elon Musk is going to space. I'm going to do space tourism because it's going to make me lots of money. Like it is just the two of them just like are so different, but they're in similar situations. I think it's an interesting like case study. You could look at them. Gotta love the parallels. Not a fan of Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) That's why this is a podcast. That's right. We got to know these things. I got to know how you feel about Jeff Bezos. That's right. But this all comes back to audible and it just makes sense that Amazon's trying to screw everyone. (laughs) Yes. Completely agree. Yeah. So that means spot. We both love business, okay? Yes. So it's easy to fall into this trap as we're doing our podcast. So why is there not a better alternative to Audible that exists? I think- the concept of audiobooks is not difficult. From a technology perspective, so easy. It's got to be rights and like rights. Just publisher rights? I, is it like a network effect of the fact that they just already have so many books that everyone's... All- think about this. You have a huge library in Audible, mm-hmm. right? And... How would you leave that? You can't download those files. Exactly. And you've you're got a stuck subs- there. You've got a subscription. I guess the one thing that's good about Audible is that even if you end your subscription, you don't lose access to those books. That would be horrible. I know. <laughs> you so paid bad. for them all. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not just paying a subscription that's like five bucks a month and access all the books you want. I would love that. Yeah. If it was like five, six bucks and you just read whatever you want anytime, great. Yeah. But it's like, nope, you subscribe, but really all that is is just you prepaying for a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I don't know what, what the problem is and everything, but that's why Sanderson ultimately went away from Audible is because he felt like they were just mistreating their authors and like just like screwing them in the way how much money they made. And he has videos on this, so you can definitely watch videos on it. He's talked about why he's done this. And so he wanted to like, you know what? I feel like I'm starting to become a big enough author where it would be, I could start um, 
making Amazon think twice about doing yeah. this. And that's where Dragonsteel came from too, because he used to publish through a publisher. Exactly. And he's like, I want to do it my way. And so I'm going to start making you guys think. He's like, I. he says though that he likes Audible still. He's not trying to be all out against but he's, Audible. He's more, but he's more, so he's making a ton of money. We yeah. know this, Brandon Sanderson. Yes. He's doing well. Yeah, he's doing well. But he's doing it in a way that he's like, I just want more control of the story. At least that's the way that I interpret yeah. it. He wants more control of the story, control of the process. That's why he's his own publisher now. Yes. And then for the Audible thing, he wants to get... Um, more market options, more marketplace options. He just doesn't want to be taken advantage of by Audible. Well, he doesn't want anybody to have a monopoly, which yeah. would be very dangerous. It's like I you don't get, you get bad products when that happens. It's well, you use bad services. People are treated poorly, and I think he, as an author, knows what it's like to be a struggling author. Yeah, so I'm sure exactly. he's like, you know what? In my position at this point, as a non-struggling author, you almost feel like you have to stick up for the people that can't. Because yep. there's people that like, I have to be on Audible, and I have to make no money because otherwise, no one will ever read my book. It's like that. You don't have an option. Yep. But he, in his position, does have the option to say, you know what? I'm doing this differently. And Audible is going to have to think twice. Oh, I think totally. it's really cool. His business mind is so fun. And he, his mother was an accountant. And he talks ah. about this quite often. And he's like, so he's super business minded. And so you see it in the way that he runs things. And this is why, like, this is I mean, my... The t- Kickstarter was brilliant. Oh, brilliant. such a good move. This is why my take, take for the day is that I think that Sanderson could become the next Stan Lee. I, I think he has a lot of opportunity to become the next Stan Lee. That would be really cool. Yeah. And I think it's because Stan Lee, author of all the Marvel comics and everything, was able to just create a world where people really connected with. And they made cartoons off of it, movies. They're starting to make theme park rides after after it and everything. And just because his vision was huge. His stories were so good. Stories were good. Vision was huge. And Sanderson's got the same thing. He's starting to make um, things that sell with it. He's starting to make more like like products and stories and connections and places. And mo- he's starting his own company. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts making his own like movie production company. It's getting a lot which more is what, common. Yeah, which Marvel did, right? They started their own movie production studios, and then Disney bought Marvel. But studios. You know, that's that's also what's happening with like Angel Studios right now. Yeah, it's like they're creating their own movies and they're crowdsourcing the funds for the movies. Totally which is crazy because it doesn't go through the same like Hollywood approval processes. It's like you get money from the people that want to watch the movie, and then you make whatever movie you want to make. Totally. I don't know if I'd want him to crowdsource a movie yet, though, because I feel like you still can't get the kind of money that he would need to be super successful. It doesn't have to be there just yet, but they're proving the concept. So yes. I, I do think... He'll also be independently wealthy enough if he could just fund it himself. <laughs> Dude, you'd need... Like, some of these movies you need... How much do you need to make a... Like, a, like what is, like, a some of, of the big... Like $100 million. Well, okay, so, for example, The Mandalorian, I think I heard it cost $60 million per episode to make an episode. Or <sighs> Not like worth that. it. Yeah, but well, it was the first season. They did really well with it. The second it. season was not worth it. Well, yeah, I did. I liked the first season. <laughs> let down I liked the, the first season. The second season was awful. We'll yeah. even start doing podcast reactions for movie series, too. I know. I think so. I'm really excited to do one for the Avatar. So When it comes out, yeah. it's coming up soon. If you great. have an idea of a movie series that you think we should review on the podcast, let us know. That'd, that'd be interesting. That would be awesome. But I, I think, uh, yeah, so $60 million an episode. So he's got to have, like, what, there were, like, eight episodes for that. So I'm assuming, like, $480 million to make, like, like that was a TV show series. Half a billion dollars. Yeah. So do you, I don't think he's going to be that wealthy without a movie series. Right around then, 
Disney Plus had what thirty million subscribers. Everyone's paying five bucks a month, hundred fifty million a month. Oof, I don't know if that's worthwhile for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know because that's just one show. It's that entertainment Dude. industry is so interesting. It'll be so <laughs> fun to see Brandon Sanderson break into it. I don't know how any streaming service makes money. To be honest, they spend gobs of money on TV shows, and I don't think that changes their subscriber ratio or keeps subscribers. I like, and they're about to lose even more of their revenue because of the the new SAG Astra deals they just signed. They just signed the Actors Guild. Oh, did did this yeah. just start? When was no, this? Remember they had all those strikes. Yeah, that was like a few months ago. Yeah, so they signed a deal that gives them a little bit better. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that because they were totally oh, cutting them out of streaming. Dude, that was one of the things that delayed the Sanderson um, movies. So really? So Wait, did what? you know that Sanderson was going to make movies? I know he'd been talking about it, but no, he had real plans for he, it. Oh, dude, he, he said that he had offers from every single major major studio that. You oh, could I'm think not of. surprised at all. Yeah, they all came to him. They all after saw the, the Kickstarter. Kick, after the Kickstarter. <laughs> And they're like, we have movies or like, we want to get movies with you. And so he talked with every single one and they're like, basically, we will pay any amount that we need to, to make it happen. So Sanderson was in negotiations, apparently under a bunch of NDAs. And so Oof. we can't discuss it. But then just things started taking longer than it should have. And then the strike happened. And recently he just says like, things are on a long pause right now. So Hollywood's on fire right now. So. Dude, I know. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. They only make a bunch of remakes that crash and like they don't know how to make new stuff these oh, days. Oh man, it's it's a wild ride. Oh, they just need to find book, good books. They can go back to that model if they don't know how to be creative. Find okay, good the, books and do the first those. time in like a really long time. We showed I have a 4-year-old son. We showed him the like trailer for the latest Disney movie. He's like, I don't really want to see it. The One Wish. Yeah, I dude, I heard it crashed. <laughs> well, like normally we'll show him a trailer and be like, Yeah, let's see. We get it's a fun experience to go to the movies with your kid. It's just it's just yeah. fun, you know. And Disney has been that for like decades. They've been like the fun family entertainment. And it's like now he's he sees the thing like, eh, not really, not having it. I'm like, wow. Even the kids, they're like, eh, it's, it's over for these it's, guys. I wonder if Illumination Films is going to be the can't next bring, one. If they can't bring the kids in to Disney, the parents aren't going to go. I know. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's why I say, like, I wonder if Illumination is the next up and coming for, like, those kind of films. They're the ones who did uh, Despicable Me, and they just did the Mario movie. And uh, Illumination these... is, like, its own studio? Yeah. Why did I think they were, like, a part of DreamWorks? I don't know, but they oh. are. Yeah, and so it's it's been fun to see like some of the films that came out. Apparently, Disney has not released a single billion dollar movie this year. Where in twenty twenty they released like seven or eight. Yeah, they were setting records. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, and then like Mario movie was over a billion this year though. My son watches that every day. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's on Netflix now. Just got there. Hey, yeah, that's all we need. That's the way to go. <laughs> so, but anyways, all that to say, I'm really excited to see what Brandon Sanderson does in movies and entertainment and over the course of like you said potentially becoming the stan lee of our generation i do think he will i think he'll get not there that stan lee wasn't a part of our generation we're not that young but stan lee was huge like especially yeah, with the marvel he's, movies he's still in our generation is what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I i do think he'll get there i think he'll be inspiration an inspiration to a lot of people especially once his movies come out and that's why i think it's so important that his movies do not go to car- like animation first because if you do animation first, I don't know. You're, att- you're getting the same audience, the people who are already reading the books. You will expand this audience if you're able to get in the live action stuff. So that's, that's huge for me. I agree. I agree. That's the last thing I'll say about that. Okay. I want to talk about 
going back into the sunlit man, which happens to be what our major topic of this book was. <laughs> There's the creepy uh, shades creepy. in there. I One of the that parts part. that I really enjoyed was like the mathematician part of Sigsoul slash Nomad slash Zelion. I learned more about science in this book. <laughs> You're like, wow, that's how gravity works. No, it wasn't gravity. It was like it was how um like spaceships fly in space. Like it didn't even occur to me that they are flying through space like without ejecting air. mass. They're ejecting mass. Yeah. Like I don't know why that didn't like I I mean I but guess you best, don't learn that in your day-to-day lives, but like, like but I don't best, know why I didn't know that. The Who best doesn't part know about that? space travel is you only have to eject mass to accelerate. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. like everything else is just constant motion. But like that's why jet fuel is so important is because you're in an atmosphere that has less air. Yeah. And so it can shove less air through, so you can't get pro. Uh, yep. Like, um, yeah. Propulsion thrust. Propulsional. Okay. Yeah. So I was like. Well, I think the science was one of the coolest parts of the book. When I got here, I was like, I'm highlight- I'll highlight the whole page. Like, this is the best. <laughs> he's talking about he grabs a clock, so he's timing the rotation of the Earth or the, the planet. Because as the planet rotates in relation to the sun, how fast is that happening? Uh, I, just, I just thought it was so cool. Oh, he's talking dude. about like how the filament between the sun and the core of the planet was superheating everything. It's like conductive. Yeah, well, it's not just the... Um, the intensity of the sun's rays it's not like the uv rays themselves it's literally like you said the re- the conductive resistance between those two things is like superheating the entire space at the same time which is why the magma is igniting at almost the exact same time as like the plants are wilting because it's all on that same plane i i, I love the whole thing dude you are smarter than me like i am <laughs> i'm not but i was definitely I, I, loving this dude i loved it too I and mean, i i just the whole time i was just thinking like he is brilliant. Sanderson so cool. is brilliant. Like, I'm like, like I, I read this and I'm like, uh, Nomad's my favorite character. He's like, so I'm like, cool. Kaladin's cool. <laughs> no, like, Nomad he, may take he the really, He really was. And that's one of the reasons I think everyone should read The Sunlit Man as a spoiler to my review being higher than seven of my recommendation threshold. Wow. But I, I do think everyone should read it because it's so fun. It has so much for everyone in it. Because like, there's so much of a cool relationship aspect. Not like romantic relationship but like the relationship between lg and her sister i thought yep. was so cool like all of those things are interesting and the mathematical part and the physics part and him thinking about like okay there's a galactic standard of time and factoring that in and how dense must the core of the planet be to hold people onto it with gravity but not hold the atmosphere higher than you know a few hundred feet is really really interesting oh, man would you recommend someone to read this before any of the other stormlight no like books or i wouldn't okay i would say so you have Reads, to read it. You have to read Way of Kings first. The first book of Way of Kings, not the Stormlight Archive. Or are, are you calling the Way of Kings? I'm saying Way of Kings the first book. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Luckily, because honestly, <laughs> I I'll I did catch you this time. <laughs> I would say that they should read the Way of Kings at least before they read this, and I think they'll have enough information to really enjoy it. And then as you read more Brandon Sanderson, because you inevitably will if you dive into Way of Kings. Then you'll love it even more on the reread. So buy it, buy the nice copy because you will reread it. If there are any left, get it quick. You think they're gone? Oh, dude, they'll sell out eventually. Do they He's do limited be... edition runs? It's like, not running forever. Oh, dude, this is not going to continue. I don't know how book printing really works, to be honest. I don't know. All I know is it's a very long and arduous process. You should go to like a book making shop. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Watch them make it. How it how it's made? No, we have to be there. We have to make a book. Oh, we'll make it. <laughs> Well, I thought, I thought that was one of my favorite parts. He's talking about like the measurements and the planets. He figures out the planet's diameter. It's cool. Oh, man. I 
I agree. I thought that was uh, that was pretty crazy. And Ox does not like his calculations, which was another one laugh out loud moment for me. <laughs> He's like, he looks up to see like what everyone's interested in, like why you can only hover up to 30, 40 feet. And then Ox is like, I'm raising my hand. You can't see it, but I am. Call on me. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And he's like, can I go take an art class instead? <laughs> I'm like, that's absolutely awesome. Like, what what a cool relationship to have with just a, a sarcastic spren. Yeah. It'd be so funny. Just such a what good time. What did he say? It's like, why couldn't I have bonded a, uh, a cryptic instead? Yeah, should have bonded a cryptic. <laughs> It's so funny, which would have been more fitting for him, right? Because they're all like about the they, mathematics yeah, and mathematics and so. truths. And yeah, I, I thought that was great. Can we talk about how heartbreaking that was? His uh, separation with oh him. Oh my and, goodness. Not the separation. Like, well, like, yeah. The dissolution, I would probably say. Oh gosh. Of, of Ox. And, of Ox. It's terrible. It has to, I feel so like it has sad. to come back. No way. I think he's dead. In the cognitive realm he is, but he doesn't cease to exist in Shadesmar. They specifically mentioned that his 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 um his self in the cognitive realm is gone. So he's like Maya. Yes, exactly. And if we know anything about Maya, she might be able to rebond. Potentially. Because that's what it kind of seemed like with Aelin, yep. huh? I think there will be a cost to it, a significant cost that has to be paid by someone. But I do think that it's going to be possible. And I need it to be possible. That's a good theory, dude. <laughs> After this book... <laughs> I need it to be possible because that was the that was just so sad. Oh, so sad. I didn't understand that. Did you know understand that of why he uh, flying would burn away auxiliary? I think it's because he needed well to fly. He needs his um, his powers. Yeah, right? he needs to be able to do the lashings. Yeah, and in order to do that, he needs to be connected to his oaths. And the only one who didn't break their oaths was Ox. Yeah. So Ox still had the power to do those things. Yeah. So but, he gave himself so that Nomad could do those things. But why would that burn him away? That I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. It, worked, it worked in my head until <laughs> you said <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's. I don't mean to like put you on the spot with that, but I was. I was really trying to figure that out in the book of like why that was such a big deal. Because in the first place, he said that his powers were burnt away because of him holding the Dawn Shard. And the Dawn Shard clinged to, needed some sort of power to fuel it. And he didn't realize what he was doing until he realized that he was fueling it through auxiliary. Yes. And we need to talk about the Dawn Shard. Okay. First of all... I'm a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> you should have read that book. I'm just kidding. Is it called the Dawn Shard? It, the book is, is called, the, book the, called the, Dawn the Dawn Shard. But... Did not read that one. Did not do the homework. Everyone said <laughs> that you have to read the Dawn Shard first. I still disagree that you have to read the I Dawn loved Shard this first. book and I didn't read the Dawn Shard. I don't think it's important to read the Dawn Shard first. It's the Black Blade. You don't though, learn right? it? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> What's the oh, Black Blade? I was blade? pretty confident that it was the Black Blade. What is the Black Blade? I've never heard of this. Yeah, you have. You've read the Stormlight Archive. <laughs> what are you talking? Oh, you're talking. The Black Blade that kills gods. Kills gods. Yeah, yeah. It's uh... Is that not the Dawn Shard? Nope. He specifically says it kills gods. It all connected up in my head. Yeah, but the Dawn Shards kill, killed Edelnalsium. Yes. That is a mouthful when you say that out loud. The Dawn Shards, plural? Yeah, dude. Okay, this is what I picked up in the book. Now I know nothing. This, this, <laughs> I will tell you, though, I did not learn any of this in the Dawn Shards They talked Shard about Edelnalsium and the Shattering right at the end. Yes. They said that the Dawn Shards were used in the Shattering. Of How do you get a shard before it shatters? 
it's a not shard a, happens because of a shattering. I think the dawn shards were are different from Aiden Alcium. They're separate from him. So they came from a different shattering. You have to I don't know if they came from a shattering. A shard. A shard I don't know. Is a piece of a shatter. <laughs> you're right. I don't know. Maybe you're right. But actually, you're. I think you are right because he talked about this dawn shard of making you want to like not hurt people and like peace or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. And so there sounds and like the black blade was like all about killing people. It, this is. I'm telling you, this is completely different. The black blade. What is? What is that called? It's like night, night wielder, night shade, or night something. I don't remember how to name. It definitely has a name. Yeah. Nightblood. Really? Nightblood is its name. And it's just, that's an ominous name. I can understand why Nightblood. it's scary. But it's unrelated to the Dawn Shard, you're saying. Read Warbreaker. That is where Nightblood comes why from. Why don't I read Dawn Shard? I mean, I, I, I'll get there. But uh, <laughs> it is not a, it's not a Dawn Shard. Warbreaker is how Nightblood was created. The book Warbreaker is about okay, that. Gotcha. But the Dawn Shard is different from Nightblood. Because the Dawn Shard, from what it sounds like to me, so in the book, The Dawn Shard, you don't learn about any of this stuff. You learn a little bit about the Dawn Shard. It has like one part that you might learn a little bit more about it. I'm excited for you to read it. You'll understand what I mean at that point. But from this book, The Sunlit Man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's what we're reading. But it tells you in the book that this blade makes you more resistant to aggression and fighting, right? I he said, think so, he, that's where his torment, I remember the specific torment came from. Yes. And it, his torment is because he held the Dawn shard and it gave like its essence to him. from what I understand, which is why he knows where it is. Yes. But going off of this is it reminds me of the different essences of the different shards of odium. Yeah. So like the honor preservation, oh, never mind of ruin how when you hold those powers you are drawn to do those things you are drawn to those emotions so preservation you are drawn to preserve and so it makes me think that the dawn shards are similar that there are different dawn shards that would draw you more towards aggression and then there are dawn shards that draw you to less aggression and that's why he couldn't fight because he had the dawn shard that made him not want to fight that's okay. what I understood. That does from the make book. sense. And I was I was thinking something about That's just... what I was guessing too. I did put in some of my own theory into it. That's fair. Yeah. And we're allowed to do that on our show. I think one of the things that I was thinking about in my Cosmere ignorance is like we talk about and we've read a couple of like the little stories in um, Arcanum Unbounded. We've read a, a bunch of the stuff. So we know about like preservation and ruin. We know about cultivation and all, all these shards that exist throughout Podium the Cosmere. And... There's some that you haven't met yet that are nuts. But I'm like, there's got to be like a justice shard. There's got to be like all these different types of like 16. basically human emotion, right? That exist as like a shattered entity. Yeah. I just think it's really cool. Oh, I love that. I, I think it's awesome. And that's why I'm like kind of wondering. Like, it Ambition, looks like, we know. It looks like Adenalsium was shattered and then the Dawn shards probably came from a different shattering. So did they not mention... Which were used to kill Adenalsium. That is nuts. Did they not mention that the shard of threnody was ambition whoa maybe and now think about the cinder king his like number one hubris fatal flaw was he needed more power more control he just needed more of everything more charred more oh my gosh dude that's ambition i gotta reread the mistborn era too 
<laughs> I just think that seems to be related in my mind. Yeah. So I think that's a good idea. I, I think it's fascinating. I don't know how much more to say on that. <laughs> okay, fine. I will read the books. As we read them, I will learn more. I know. Dude, no, I'm just like so blown away by everything you're talking about. That's more what's going on here. But also, can we talk about how big of butts the Scadrians are? In, Those like, guys are the worst. <laughs> the worst, dude. They just don't want anything to do with anyone. Which remind you can kind the, of understand. Remind me what the Scadrian system is. Because I know I've read. I was gonna, I was gonna say Mistborn, is, but is I didn't want to be wrong. Because yeah. I've read like the Scadrian section in Arcanum and Mountain. I'm like, I swear it was called Scadrian. Yes, and that's why he remember he's like, I like luckily I didn't have any metal on me. Then yeah. boom, as and he gets thrown happened, back with his like, belt. That makes sense. Yep, Scadrians, man. I know, right? Kaladin's land. What? Not Kaladin. Uh, Kelsier. Kelsier. <laughs> like, come man. on, don't confuse <laughs> me like that. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, Thydekar. Anyways, crazy. So one of the things we talked about wit already. I'm I I'm jumping a little bit forward, but also jumping back. So I figure it's relevant. Yep. We talked about wit already, and he mentions when he tells a story. So I don't know if you remember the story that he told about like flying too close to the sun, basically. Like, yeah. Th- there's a lot of stories yep, that they I talk about. That. And then he tells another story, um, and I don't have the exact story in here because I clipped. The that page was Zigzel right that it. tells that story though. Yes. Yeah. And then he's like, what's the uh, moral of your story? And he's like, there is none. It's just a whimsical story. And I'm like, he is wit. He has become wit. <laughs> and he even mentions but, the but funny he, thing. He says the other thing, though, that he does say is like, like but wit lies. And says yeah, that there's that's, no, the, but. that's the best part is he's like, there's always some message. And usually it's heavy handed. And he's like, he loves those stories. But he lies and tells people there isn't a point to anything he says. Yeah. And I'm like, that's exactly what he just did. Because the story he just told had a point. <laughs> <laughs> I he knows it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, no, he's like, but mine really didn't. Like, I have a point, but I, you're I right. I think it did. Right. I think it did. That's funny, dude. That's funny. I love, it like pains me to see how much he hates wit. I love wit. He's the best. And I'm, I'm sure he'll come around because we all love wit so much. He has to. Oh man! Well, I think that's everything I've got from the. Book. I have one final thing. Okay, let's talk hear about it. this. Probably, and then we'll get to the review. I know it's been a long video, and we will get to We've our. We've been final having review. a lot of fun. It's been a great conversation, and I've had a good time. Yes. So, names, and that should tell you all you need to know about what I'm going to say. Okay. The way Brandon Sanderson wrote this, I absolutely loved, and I will say so. When we interview Brandon Sanderson, when these videos go viral and we get finally a chance to sit down and talk to him, this is something I'm going to talk about because I loved it. (laughs) As he joins with them, his name changes to Zellian, right? Yep. The way Brandon Sanderson wrote that in, there's a space of like seven pages where he is not named once at all. They only use pronouns to refer to him. But up to this point or after he after. So once once he starts talking to them and really connecting to them, and they say, "Oh, we're gonna call you Zelion." Yeah, he does not. He's not named for like almost ten pages at all. Not one time. Why is he that? He gets his name. He's named everywhere in the book. Probably almost every page, someone says Nomad or you know. Yeah. But as soon as they say we're gonna call you Zelion, he's having a crisis of who he is oh. because he named himself Nomad. After he became, he didn't feel like he was Ziggs anymore, so he became Nomad, so he took that on. Yeah. And that's what he's been called. Even Ox doesn't doesn't give him a name during those pages. Yeah. His, when he speaks, it just says, he said, he did, all those things are just no way. For, for like 10 pages. I highlighted it because I was like, 
That's the coolest thing. That is the coolest thing. Because as soon as they said his name was going to be Zelion, I was like, oh, I wonder how quickly they'll start switching the writing to Zelion instead of Nomad. Yep. And it was it took a long time. And then when it finally happens for the first time, there's something else I want to talk about that I just skipped through. And it's right here, right at the very end of the chapter. It's like in like the last 10 words of the chapter. Where it's like, all right, what do we do next? How do we get there? What do we do? And they're like, well, this is why you're fortunate to have a killer among you. Zellion said, because it's time to show the Sinister King what an actual battle looks like. Oh, very Right cool. then, he joins them in his mind, just like they've accepted him in theirs. And I'm like, the way that that's written in is perfect. <laughs> and then right at the end of the book, right? Right, right at the end, like right 400 pages in. He's he's so frustrated that he failed. Because, you know, they go through that whole thing. There's the, the struggle and he feels like it's over because the, the Beaconites are going to die. There's nothing he can do. He's in the with the Skadrians. He's like, they're, they're toast. At the end of that chapter, it says the Beaconites were out of power, out of resources, exhausted and defeated. It was over. Zellion, dot, 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 nomad, dot, 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 side. And I'm like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful <laughs> writing. I loved reading that. I was like, this is so cool because not only is it happening, we're like in his mind as we're reading through this and we're seeing his transition and his acceptance of this new identity. And then as soon as he feels like he's failed the people that he was working for, he's like, actually, I didn't deserve the name. I'm going back to Nomad. That is cool. Wow. It's so well written. So well written. So you would disagree with people who say that he is not a good reader because he has a writer because he does not have prose like Tolkien does. Oh, I think he has barely skimmed the surface of his potential as a writer. Yeah. Wow. I think Big statement. Doing something like that. You mentioned the fact that he puts like building Easter eggs through his whole book so that it's fun to reread. That's something cool that not a lot of authors do because yep. it's very much it takes a lot of planning and execution. And that's why I think he's probably a pretty good engineer <laughs> Yeah, as he goes through and builds these stories. I also think doing something like that is just, just an emotional mastermind. Oh, I yeah. loved it. I, yeah. I specifically, as soon as he got that name, I was like, okay, I'm starting now. How long is it going to be before he changes the name in the book? That is something that I don't think many authors Well, and do. in the past, we've even gone over parallels that happen in the book. There was another huge parallel that I noticed in this book where Auxiliary burns away his last bit of life to mm-hmm. save um, Zellion. And then the same exact thing happens with... Um, the two girls, the uh, Rebecca and LG, LG, Rebecca and LG. Yeah. LG gives up her memories mm-hmm. and the last bit of herself to save Rebecca. Yeah. And I it's think, the is same it Rebecca or Rebecca. I've been calling her Rebecca. It's Rebecca. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that. And is... so it's like the parallels thing. Yeah. So like, we like, love the parallels. Yeah, we do. And both <laughs> of them were super impactful on just like yep. giving up like themselves in Isn't order to save another that person. The Cinder King does the same thing. From an anti-hero perspective, he burns people away, and then he so gets burnt. He up can himself. be more powerful, but it actually burns him away too. In the end, dude, he he is into those parallels, man. Like he I love puts it. A lot I'm it. here for it. It's awesome. I love okay. It. To finish so, off with one last question that okay. I have for you, I'll read the quote and I will get your just take on it. Okay, yeah. this is a introspection that Nomad is having. He says, "I have to ask myself once it is all done if honor is a sham." If it was a ruse used to make men kill one another, to let them pretend there was purpose to it. If that concept, the very idea of an honorable soldier, was not the most pernicious evil that had ever blighted the Cosmere. 
So do you think? What do I? What do I think? That's a deep. deep it is question. deep. That's yeah. why we ended with it. We could build up to this moment, like Brandon Sanderson. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I disagree with him with that thought. I think it's coming from a very negative um, Zigzal at this time, mm. and I th- I think that that he has seen the world in a, like a different light. But I would say that someone like Kaladin or even Dalinar would completely disagree with him because Cal- uh, Dalinar, as he looks for more honor is shying away from battles mm-hmm. and looking for doing the honorable thing. And same thing with Kaladin. He's shying away, but the way that Zigzal's looked at the world is like, we're looking for honor and battling and things like that. So I don't know. That's, that's my first thoughts. Yeah. I think I completely agree. I do think that that's false. Again, he's, he's brooding. He's very, <laughs> negative during this whole part in the book so it's understandable but i do think that if if he was to eventually believe that honor is a sham that it just makes people fight i think that that is a very ignorant statement well everything he knows in the cosmere just related to the fact that evil exists in an essence like it, especially in the cosmere right like i don't know that we need to draw necessary parallels to real life but in the cosmere evil is like its own essence its own there are shards that exist that solely exist to to bring evil into the world as a parallel to the good. So the fact that evil will fight means honorable people must fight as well. And I think that is a key concept of of the balance of the shards anyway. I think it's really cool. But I th- it was like a yeah. whole paragraph and I'm like, dang, I just had to stop for a second and be like, what do I think? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I felt like that too. With this and book. it's fun to feel like you're so excited to turn the page, but also you have enough impactful moments to be like, wow. You just think about that for a second. You it's know? just one of those books that you can sit down with a nice warm cup of hot cocoa. Oh, and I did multiple times this week. <laughs> I know. I figured. It was and great. Just, and just look look deep. So It was hard though because I had to make sure the hot chocolate was like not too close because I didn't accidentally like get anything on the book. But oh, still gosh. fun. So stressful. <laughs> so okay. stressful. Having read the whole book, all of Sunlit Man, we have come to the moment in this podcast episode quite a few minutes in. When we have to review this and tell the people what we think this scores out of 10. Do you want to go first? Or did you go first last time? I'll let you go first this okay, time. Okay, I will go first. If you remember, I rated Way of Kings a 9.6. Okay. And I want to make sure that people know that I absolutely love The Sunlit Man. But I'm going to give it a 9.2. I loved it, yep. but the connections and the world that was built in Way of Kings, I think, was a little cooler. Yep. This was a little bit more of a side story, but I think as a side story, cannot get much better. Yep. That's my rating, 9.2. I will give this a rating of a 9 out of 10. Oh. I know. Usually... Tell uh, me why. I I think this book was, uh, was really fantastic, and look, I'm, I'm starting from a place of like... like You've read everything. explaining like why it's not very good. A nine is freaking good. <laughs> a like, nine like, is incredible. That's yeah. that's a nine out of ten. I'm gonna start from why it's a nine out of ten. Good why idea. this is an amazing book. This book was super enjoyable. Very um, massive page turner. Massive page turner. Lots of mystery. Lots of uh, excitement. Nomads and really fun characters. So is auxiliary. Love all of that. The whole science in there. I feel like I was learning during the book. I felt like I was, uh, I, I had no idea what was going to happen next. Ex- learning about the whole world is incredible. And the Cosmere connections 
were so much fun just to see everything kind of come together. Still a book that someone who had never read anything in the Cosmere could have enjoyed. I, I think it was just a, a fantastic book. Better than most books I've read. I'd say that's why it's a nine. Not as good as The Way of Kings, but I think that The Way of Kings just had more time. Than it wasn't the, necessarily that it was lacking in what it was, but it was just, it's not going to be as grand right? inherently. Yep. I think it's very similar to why my rating is a little lower. Yeah. So overall then gives it a 9.1. Yep. Which is so good. Pretty dang good. That's a high on the to recommend list. Yep. Like you're like, okay, what do you want to read? What you haven't read anything before? It's going to be probably, I guess another reason why I can't put it too high on the rating list is because I have to make sure people read other books first. Have to read The Way of Kings. You have first. to read The Way of Kings, Stormlight Book One, before you can read because there is a lot you'll be like what armor what what is this weird blade he has like that's gonna be really confusing to you and it's just better to just know that before and not be confused this book was dedicated to to me sanderson's fans it was dedicated to me it was dedicated to it it says for all of you especially Jaden fedok (laughs) yeah look at that wow didn't notice that the last time but he made it for the fans and boy, was this an awesome gift. The fans absolutely loved, loved it. Brandon, if you're watching this video, we absolutely loved The Sunlit Man. Such such a good book. Big fans. Big fans. 